Welcome back, everyone, to After the Sermon Ends. We know that after the sermon ends, the conversations can begin. Today, I am just joined by Marcus Donaldson, or should I should say Pastor Marcus Donaldson, because he preached this week. So sad. But we're, we're, we're alone today. We don't have another guest with us. How do you feel about just, just the two of us in here? Lonely. Yeah, yeah. So, we're we're missing Jared, Todd, Dawson, Matthew, Julia, Taylor. Just we ha- we have no friends today. Just I guess. keep going. Yeah, <laughs> but no, uh, we're we're excited to uh, to be here. We're talking through uh, continuation of the Lord's Prayer, and you preached this Sunday on the the second petition, um, "Your kingdom come, your will be done," in Matthew six ten. Um, so why don't you give us a quick sermon recap? Yeah, so like you said, this is the second and third petition in the Lord's Prayer, the first being in uh, verse 9. And really, I I think you can break those into two uh, separate petitions, but, you know, just for understandability, I think just calling it one keeps it simple. But our Father reminds us of God's paternity, His name be hallowed, is His priority, and then from there, the second and third petitions in, in verse 10, your kingdom come, which is his program, and then your will be done, which is his, his plan. Mm. So we see with these first three petitions in verses 9 and 10 that the model prayer the, or the Lord's Prayer, um, Jesus teaching his disciples to pray, he starts with focusing on God. Yeah. Paternity, priority, plan, and program, or program, then plan. Mm-hmm. And so... I think that's a a pretty important distinction, uh, just to sort of recap, that our prayer should begin with focusing on God. And and, and I'm saying that just realizing throughout last week and even this week and this morning that even my prayers sometimes uh, start with others or myself or... Yeah. everything else and they and they always get to like at some point I always acknowledge just who God is and how powerful he is how all-knowing he is how ever-present he is and my reliance on him but I think Jesus kind of reprioritizes that approach mm-hmm. to focusing on God and then we'll see in the later petitions that then it becomes about um our petitions or the petitions of others. Right, right. Yeah, I think that's been that been such a good distinction for us as a church to to see you know, our, our prayers should start with the preeminence of God, um, and and praying, acknowledging to whom we are praying and the priority that He has in our lives, but also getting getting with His plan, getting with what He wants to do, and aligning our hearts with that. I think we talked um, last week on our podcast about how, you know, we I asked the question is like why 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 start with this? Why start with Our Father in Heaven? Hallowed be Your name. Is it something that God needs to be reminded of? But you mentioned about how it's more so giving us a reminder. Mm-hmm. And I think these next two petitions are the same thing. When we pray, Lord, your will be done, it's not as if like his will being done is going to be in question. But it's we, we, we can know and we can expect, especially if we trust in his sovereignty, that his will will actually be done. But it's his will being done in our lives and our hearts coming alongside and aligning with that. That was one of the things that that I tried not to box us into that yeah. that trifecta of interpretations for uh, this passage and really kind of the whole prayer. But 
those those three interpretations. I think it's specifically in, in verse 10, that first petition, your kingdom come, I think Jesus is referring to that eschatological, the end of the time, the consummation mm-hmm. of um, God's reign through Christ, his eternal reign, um, where he's He's ruling, he's Lord and King of all, just like he is in heaven right now, but he is on earth. Now, obviously, he is overall and sovereign over all creation right now, but the observation that we made from this passage is that he's not currently reigning yep. like he um, like he is in, in heaven on earth right now, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I did want to ask you about that with those three interpretations, the ethical, evangelistic, and eschatological. There you go. Um, with those three interpretations, like, and you know, the, and you said different different commentators have made um, those different three interpretations, and sometimes they're blended together. Um, what what stood out to you, or what made you lean towards that understanding of the eschatological interpretation over the others? Yeah. So there there are a few indicators in the Greek. Um, but I don't want to make it super complex right now. Yeah. But I, I think that that the eschatological makes the most sense here, not just grammatically, but um, as the focus of Jesus's ministry. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Yeah. Um, and a few other places where he play uh, plays. I don't know why I always mess that word up. Prays uh, similarly where the end time is in focus. He's teaching about the end time. He's preaching about the end time. He's teaching about the imminent arrival of his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Um, so I think that, that that one fits the best, but then it allows the the two to become implications um, of that one. So what I mean is because the kingdom's coming um, and because his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven— that drives our evangelistic efforts. That drives yeah. our um, the believer's ethical uh, demands or priorities. Right, like we live God's way, not our own way, not the world's way. We yeah. um, evangelize because we know that there's coming a day where the Lord will return, and all who haven't believed in Him will be separated from Him for eternity. And sort of what what I started with on Sunday was really the the trifecta, like the beautiful week that we had where our strategy has really kind of taken shape where on Wednesday, uh, last Wednesday, we were at Walton summit. We kicked off that partnership. Yeah. Um, uh, you were there, so it kind of feels weird telling you, but no, you're good. for the, <laughs> for, <laughs> for the, the listener, uh, yeah, for the listener, um, you know, it, it was just making hamburgers and hot dogs and playing some games with some kids. But, you know, for the foreseeable future, at least we're going to be able to go and drop off, some snacks for their after school program and then share some devotionals with uh, some of the middle schoolers there for their middle school group. Yeah. And that's an exciting opportunity because we're going to be able to build relationships with people to where we can have uh, gospel conversations throughout, serve them throughout, get them, get to know them throughout all for the purpose of making disciples. And then we announced on Tuesday that we're going to be shifting uh, to an all on campus focus for our Wednesday night activities. And mm-hmm. one of those is uh, basics, which is pretty new and students as well, which yep. is new, but we're creating learning environments because we believe that in scripture, disciples are learners. In Luke 11, 1, Jesus says, teach us to pray when he 
uh, rose from the grave in you know his post post resurrection ministry, which was forty days. He spent that time teaching the disciples about the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. So disciples are fundamentally learners, and we're doing that. So we're making maturing, yeah, and then good. on Sunday, Dawson Murray first um, first sermon ever on a Sunday, at least uh, got to preach at Talmud Baptist. So we're sending disciples, and really. Even weeks before that, Malachi Mills, our worship pastor, he's been at um, Airline Baptist leading worship as well. So mm-hmm. we've been doing it for a while, but it, it was beautiful to kind of see it all uh, like a, a preview of it last week. Yeah, just just all in one week, even in like the middle of the summer, right. we're, we're still trying to uh, develop and, and, and continue on uh, with the maturation of those, those programs and activities, not for the sake of, you know, being a productive, good church, but because like this is what we see in Scripture, and this is what we want to carry out, and and so that's to tie that back in. That's why I don't I don't think the ethical fits right. It's right. not we're not trying to make just better people or a better society. We're mm-hmm. not trying to make sure that these kids at this after school uh, after after school program. There we go. That's what I was trying to say. We're not trying to just make sure that they feel loved. Yeah. We're not just trying to make sure that they feel seen or cared for. Yes, we want all those things, but we want to make sure that they know the Lord in saving faith, or at least have the opportunity to hear the gospel. Yeah. If ethical was our priority, then it would just be serving snacks. It'd just be to make them feel loved and seen and everything else. Uh, the same with evangelistic. If it was just evangelistic, you don't have the the urgency of evangelism without the understanding that that there's coming a day where people will be um, separated from the Lord because of their sin if they haven't believed in Him. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I love that you just kind of you laid out both in your sermon just the the actual scripture itself, but also like how the church is attempting to go about this very practically and um, you know show, showing people that hey, this is what we're about. Like, and you know, we saw a new a few new visitors there on Sunday, and so they got they got a taste for it, but. Um, you know, kind of, kind of a separate, not not a separate subject, but just a separate implication that I was thinking through with the eschatological interpretation of this is like I listened to a sermon this week about how we don't really live with the expectation of the end in mind. You know, we we try to squeeze all that we can uh, out of like of the fun and joy and everything else out of this life, and we don't necessarily have that mindset of my my hope my my true goal and passion is to see god's kingdom fully finally come on this earth and um i think that's just because we don't really have that high a view of heaven you know mm-hmm. we, we all all we see is what we what we have here on earth and we don't have that that high expectation but you know we look at paul in uh, philippians 1 of you know to live as christ to die is gain to die and be with christ is to, is far better yep and 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 praying this, it, like I think it's just a, a slow shift, and it, it helps shift our perspective towards that, and it it, it encourages us and, and and makes us look towards that of where if we if we don't have a very high view of heaven, then we should be convicted of that and see what why why am I not having that hope? Why am I not put, having that as my single goal? Um, and and how how should I change my perspective on that? Yeah, 100%. I think that we live in a day and age where um, delayed gratification is not promoted, but immediate gratification is rewarded. Um, It's celebrated, it's promoted, it's advanced, it's developed. um, And I think that 
even going further than that, we, we try to mitigate as much suffering as we can. And because of that, we're, we're living in a, in a day that is highly driven by existentialism. It's like the here and the now is all we have. And I'm not saying don't enjoy life. I'm just saying that we live in a, in a day and age, which it's not new, but the world system, the, the ruler, the prince of this world, Satan, is trying to thwart God's plan. And he even does that with God's people by mm-hmm. causing them to disobey, causing causing them to disbelieve, um, you know, certain things and whatever, but really to just sort of fall in line with the world's pattern and everything else. And I think that that really disrupts not not just our view of heaven, but then how we consequently live our lives. Yeah, and, and just kind of look at how, like, how our prayers are today. Like, I'm looking at my own perspective of, you know, if I, if I watch the news or if I see things going on around me, and I'm looking at just the, the death and destruction and just the corruption that exists in my own heart and in the, the world around me. Like, if, if, that, if the kingdom of God coming to reign in this earth, like, fully for eternity is not my hope, then what, like, my only option when I see these issues is to despair. Yeah. And, and I've gotten caught up in that of like, oh, like everything is just terrible. Like I'm not where I want to be and like things should be so much better than they are, but they're not. And instead of setting my, my, uh, my eyes and my hope on, no, like there's something far better coming and I'm, I'm praying and hastening for that day. Instead of praying and expecting that, I turn to despair. I'm just like, oh, I just need to go and try to squeeze every moment of life and joy that I can out of this until the, until that day comes, Yeah, you know? And, um, but I think that this verse just it flips it on its head for us. So, um, yeah. So that that's that's a really good take on um, your kingdom come. And I, I also you mentioned earlier about how you know a few chapters you know previous in Matthew, um, what was it four? Yeah, four. Yeah. Um, Jesus is already saying, "Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand." But we see. Like so, he said, like the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Is is at hand? He's saying it because he is there bringing in that kingdom. Right. Um, but you also mentioned that when we pray that your kingdom come, there is still the the full realization of that is not yet felt. Yeah. The um, already, but not yet. Right. So, um, it, it kind of explain that for us. So, like for those that say, oh yeah, like Jesus is fully reigning here on earth, like he's totally in charge. Like, how do we? Like, how do we pray and expect that if there is that expectation now, if if that makes any sense? If we're talking about his millennial reign, it's going to be his, like, full physical, like, reign on earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's what the writers of Scripture advocate. I think that's what um, what the early church understood it to be. And I think that was their hope. I think what what we've seen since, I mean, really— since the Enlightenment period, were inserted doctrine. They would read these philosophical, theological interpretations of the end times into Scripture and wouldn't allow Scripture to, to read out. Yeah. Now, if we're talking about pre-trib rapture or whatever, like, I'm not here to discuss all that. Yeah. But what I do see, though, is every writer of Scripture, whether Old and New Testament, anticipated a literal reign of the Messiah. Mm -hmm. And we know that to be Christ. So I'm looking for a day. If it's in my lifetime, praise God. If it's not, praise God either way. But 
where he literally rules and reigns on earth and then defeats Satan for eternity and then we uh, and then he ushers his kingdom in in full mm-hmm. but i would also just point to the fact that things aren't getting better right if if he's going to be ruling which it's in Jeremiah in a couple places and Isaiah in a few places where it's saying that he's going to be ruling with a rod of iron there's not going to be any getting away with a lot of the silliness in this kingdom like i think it'll be clear so that's why i kind of i reject some of those interpretations that say that he's currently ruling and reigning yeah. on earth as he is in heaven i think satan's way too active uh, to even really uh really even kind of champion that interpretation yeah and and you made a good distinction too on sunday about how this isn't necessarily advocating for like dualism mm-hmm. you know god is definitely in control and he allows you know satan to do um certain things on earth and and be the the, the ruler and the prince of the power of the air right um and so we can we can fully trust you know um we going into the will we can trust that will of purpose um but it's not necessarily his uh, will of desire or adhering to his will of command either. Right. Um, so take us into those. Um, you, you, like I just, I just mentioned them, but you identified these three wills on Sunday. Um, and is it praying for all three to come about, or like what, what kind of goes into that verse? Yeah. So we're talking about God's plan now, and and His plan, right? Your kingdom come, your will be done. That that will being done. Those three distinct aspects that we see in Scripture. His Will of purpose being that that final, the the plan that he made in eternity past, the one that we can't even comprehend how he made and understands and everything else. But when we understand that God is all knowing, ever present, and all powerful, then then we accept it, right? Yeah. We may not understand it, but we accept it. But talking about that dualism just for a second, we have to to keep in mind, especially with that observation, because that came off of the back of your kingdom come that implies that he's not currently reigning on earth as he, as he is in heaven. Sovereign overall, but not currently reigning as he is in heaven. Um, but then going into that will of purpose, it'll happen. It always happens, and it will happen completely. But it's comprehensive. It's vast. It's really hard to understand. But we read Isaiah fourteen twenty four. Uh, the, the Lord of hosts has sworn, as I have planned, so shall it be. As I have purposed, so shall it stand. His will of purpose, it'll happen no matter what. It's vast, comprehensive, can't really understand it. Yeah. Um, well, we can. It's not unknowable, but we can't know every little detail. Um, and then his will of desire, that embraces conversion, which is our willing response to the gospel and repentance and faith. And here is where, again, that dualism kind of rears its head. Because the Lord isn't currently reigning on earth as he is in heaven— we see Satan trying to thwart God's plan, and we read Second uh, Corinthians four four, where uh, Paul writes that the God of this world, who's Satan, has blinded the mind of unbelievers to keep them from uh, seeing the light of the gospel and coming yeah. to saving faith. And what does that imply? That the Lord is not ruling on earth as He is in heaven. Um, so we're still waiting, or at least Paul was still waiting for that day. But his will of desire, unlike his will of purpose, isn't always fulfilled. Mm. There are people who die without um, saving faith. There are people who reject uh, the gospel. There are people who, even believers, who continue to be disobedient to him. And so 
we know from 1 Timothy 2.4 that God desires all people to be saved. We know from uh, 2 Peter 3.9, I believe it is, he doesn't desire to, that any should perish, yes. but that all should yeah. reach repentance. Mm-hmm. And so we saw the same thing with Jesus praying over Jerusalem. He wanted all of them to be saved, but they rejected him. So God's will of purpose, always fulfilled, broad, comprehensive, vast, that's always fulfilled. His will of desire, not always fulfilled. We see that that eternal conflict that's going, well, not eternal, but that conflict between God and Satan going on where Satan's trying to thwart his plans, and then his will of command is where his children obey him um, willingly. Yeah. And, and so only his children, only those who have been born again and adopted into the family of God through the gospel um, have the capacity to obey him willingly. The That doesn't mean that believers or non-believers can't do good things. But what that means is that only the believer has the capacity to willingly obey him and not look to it as legalism or, um, you know, with a grudge or begrudgingly right. or whatever you want to say. Yeah, because we can't necessarily obey his will of command if we're not part of that will of desire. Like, right. like, like you were explaining, like if we're not his, if we're not, uh, if we have not gone through conversion and like and become saved, then like that's his actual will of desire. That's what he truly wants. Like just obeying some of his commands does does nothing right according to that right um and i think it's just i think it's cool you know we we there's like a unique relationship that we have with all three of these wills where we we eat with each of them we have to come to terms with it we have to trust like his will of purpose we trust his will of purpose we we want to come alongside his will of desire and and, and truly desire for ourselves that everyone would be saved and like that will give us that urgency for uh, evangelism and discipleship as well, and then um, desiring and and also following through with the, with the power of the Holy Spirit to obey His will of command. So there there's unique relationships, and it, it's all about uh, aligning ourselves by through in this prayer of yeah aligning ourselves with His will in in each of these ways, which I thought was really really good from Sunday. Yeah the. So that's where that evangelistic and ethical, uh, these implications come. Yeah. So we can see it with uh, God's will of command and God's will of desire. Mm-hmm. But the the real thing, I think, the real kind of conflict that, that we have today or the crisis that we have today is that we forget things like the, the Great Commission is the Great Commission, not the Great Suggestion, right? So... That's a command from the Lord to go and make disciples. Right. So if we're talking about God's will of command and obedience to that, willing obedience to that, well, then you should be making disciples. Now, what does that look like? Well, that can look a bunch of different ways, and I'm not saying you have to go stand on the street corner saying, repent or you're going to hell. No, I think that there are effective ways today. I think there was a time and a place where street preachers and um, you know these evangelists that would go set up these, like, um, you know, tents or, you know, whatever. There are tons of, of effective methods in the past. Mm-hmm. I think today part of the struggle that I see with believers is that there was a point in time where the pastor started doing all of it, right? and that's not a good thing. It was meant for all believers to yep. go and make disciples. Yep. Um, and really what we should do, in my opinion, is not continue to try these old methods that really I don't think are are necessarily biblical yeah. and 
I'm not saying John the Baptist wasn't biblical. <laughs> um, but what I'm saying is, I don't. I think that those models that they were effective in the past, and we should take only what was effective. But we shouldn't try to recreate those things uh, endlessly and mindlessly without adapting to our times. Social media, great evangelism tool. Um, all the technology we have, great evangelism tool. Uh, and and then really just kind of reconsidering the the time, the day, the the location that we live in where, hey, we have a whole community in our backyard. I don't think that they had, you know, I don't know how many stories those apartments are in Walton Summit. What do you think? At least eight? Um, Maybe five? Would, yeah, four or five. How about eight? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm just saying I don't think that they had, you know, this many people living in, in maybe what? Uh, like a like two football field yeah, size? Yeah. Less like, than a mile. Yeah, less than a – well, definitely less than a mile from us, but in radius like – Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like – two football fields mm-hmm. because they're living on top of one another and it's, it's, they're nice apartments, you know? So here we are, we have a, a bunch of people living on top of each other, less than a mile from the church, less than a 10th of a mile from the church straight line. So that we should take that to our advantage and, and go and share the gospel with those people. Um, so we just need to recreate our approach. Mm-hmm. Are we going to invite that whole community to the church? Absolutely. But are we going to say, hey, we're having a, a revival for a week or just stand outside of their gates and just yell, repent for the kingdom of heaven is a hand? I just don't think that that's yeah. as effective today as it would have been maybe when John the Baptist was doing it or whatever. Yeah. So as we adapt our approach, I think we, we just need to get with God's plan mm-hmm. um, and make some creative strategies. Yeah, I think just this topic of God's will just gets so like put out of whack in 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 church culture today. Yeah. Um where I think we we confuse God's will of purpose with his will of command and desire of like specifically with ministry we we think oh before we move and obey and and go to a certain person or people we need to hear from God directly. Yep. It's like which like you know we are looking at the uh What's the skin and in, in, uh, from the animal skin? What's that story? Gideon. Yeah, but what you're right in Judges. But yeah, so he's but he's like you know trying to discern God's will from the the animal skin, yep. and so we're like we're looking at our at our own animal skin to see you know which apartment complex do we go to, God? Which people do we go to? Um, and waiting for Him to speak when it's like just go to the people around you. Yeah, you know, who's closest? Who's available? Go there. Um, and and we can we confuse that we make it just such a, a, a you know a supernatural thing when it's given to us in scripture uh, and or people you know going on mission trips like yep. people think they have to be called to go on a certain mission trip it's like no just just go just go he already said go yeah go where go <laughs> like <laughs> right. go right um, use use your you know uh, common sense and due diligence and right. like he's given us a, a mind to do that. Yeah. You know, it's, it doesn't have to be this supernatural thing. And like, sometimes he might put a, a roadblock in there and, and stop us and turn us in a different direction, but that's for the Holy Spirit to decide in the moment. Now, I think, you know, because this is really interesting to me, it's like you're, you know, you speak a, another language, let's say Spanish. Where do you go? Well, 
go to a Spanish-speaking country. Like, you could be used great there. Now, does that prohibit you from going to non-Spanish-speaking countries? No, absolutely not. But, you know, if we're thinking about, hey, where can I start? Where should I start? And, and all the stars are aligning for you to go to a Spanish-speaking country. Well, God's opening that door. He opened it a long time ago when you either started speaking Spanish growing up or you learned it yeah. after, whatever yeah. the case is. Like, you know, he's opening those doors, and, and we don't need that, like, rainbow in the sky, all the clouds opening up, and the Spirit of God descending like a dove. Like, right. I think that that would be great, and I'm certainly not, um, you know, uh, trying to diminish uh, God speaking to people like that. I just don't think that we should, one, expect that to be normative, and then, two, we should need that. He's commanded us to go. Just be obedient and go. Go to your workplaces, go to your schools, your hobbies, your interests, your friend group, your families, your neighborhoods, like go. Yeah. The The second thing though is I think today what a lot of people try to do, even myself, is we try to do it on our own. It's like, yeah, I'm going and making disciples, so like I'm doing it. Yeah. But I think that one, that's exhausting. Well, I know that that's exhausting. But then two, I just think that we have... God's paternity reminds us that we have brothers and sisters in Christ who have this same um, command given to them. And the only way that we can prevent burning out in pursuit of that mission is to bring our brothers and sisters alongside us. And that'll be an effort that lasts, that's sustainable, that, um, you know, will, will further advance the kingdom more than you and I could individually. 100%. 100%. Yeah, that, that's so good. But yeah, I think we're we're kind of winding down here and like this this conversation, I could go so long on on God's will and, and taking in like whole different directions, talking about like young people and careers and marriage and all this other stuff. Like I could go on for, for a while, as, as Jared would say. <laughs> um, but but yeah, so we're winding down here. I don't think we have as much time as, as we could have for those conversations. But um, if you would like any information on how to get involved in any of those programs and activities that, that Marcus was listing out earlier, whether it's um, Walton Summit and the partnership we have there, we would love to share that vision um, with you about what we what we would love to start doing there and the, the partnership we have with the people there. Um, if you want to get involved in either student ministry or kids ministry and in helping mature some of the disciples in our church, uh, we would love to connect you. Um, and if you would just, um, if you want to be involved in being sent out, we can uh, you know, connect you with those opportunities as well. Uh, Marcus, any, any final thoughts or encouragements? Yeah, that, uh, that's what we're about moving forward. Um, and if you're looking for something else, there's plenty of good churches around, but that's what we're going to be about at City Church and all the churches that we uh, partner with. So, Right. Well, listener, thank you so much for joining us, and until next time.